Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. I'm Andy Baldacci, and welcome back to the Agency Advantage Podcast. Today is episode number eight, and we're joined by Travis Northcutt of MemberUp. Travis and his partner, Michael Steele, are optimization and marketing experts who guide membership sites to higher profits. Travis first started freelancing only five years ago, and while he and Michael were able to grow their business and make a living, they often felt like they were barely keeping their heads above water. That wasn't what they had in mind when they set out on their own. Today, Travis shares why they went from being yet another design and development shop into an agency that focuses on growing WordPress membership sites and how that transition got them out of the feast or famine routine and onto the path of building a real business instead of just another job. If sometimes your work feels like a race to the bottom on price, then Travis's tips on standing out from the crowd will be invaluable to you. So without further ado, here's Travis. So Travis, thanks for coming on. Yeah, you bet, Andy. Happy to be here. Thanks. So today, you and your partner, Michael Steele, you guys run MemberUp, which is an agency designed to help membership site owners run more profitable businesses. But that's not how you guys started out. Can you share some of your freelancing story and how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, we actually, uh, you know, we started out a little over five years ago and uh, it started, I was doing something totally different. I was running a business with my wife and my partner, Michael, had a full-time job and he started, he was just doing design work on the side and actually doing print design and had a, a client who needed a website and I had a little bit of experience with that. And so I said, oh, I'll help you with that. And that was our, our first uh, our first job together, and then uh, you know it just kind of snowballed from there, and we started doing just kind of your typical you know design and development, making websites for small businesses, uh, which is you know a pretty common story, and we did that for for quite some time, uh, and then eventually kind of slid sideways into the the membership space, and uh, that's where we are today. Yeah. So what was that transition like? Like, was it just someday you woke up and you said, Hey, I really want to work with membership sites or what was it about design and development that you didn't want to focus on that anymore? Well, I mean, you're still doing it, but what made you uh, change your focus? Yeah. So we, we had kind of um, been coming to the realization for, for a little while that we could probably benefit from specializing, but we didn't, we didn't really know what we should specialize in. Uh, you know, we didn't have any particular experience that you know, that really jumped out at us. And then we had a client who we'd done some work for in the past who was starting a membership site. And he came to us and asked us if we could build it for him. And, you know, it sounded like something we could do. It wasn't too different from a, you know, kind of a typical project for us. And so we did that. And as those things uh, tend to do, you know, it led to led to some follow on work with that client and then a referral from, I think actually in this case, from the uh, he was using a, a WordPress plugin for his membership site. And so we started getting referrals from the people who made that plugin. And then, it, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. And at some point in that process, it was a conscious decision of, you know, okay, w- this is what we're going to do, but not initially. Yeah. Right. So sort of started snowballing a little bit. And you see you guys really like, hey, like this, there's something here. We should keep going after this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nice. And so let's step back a little bit. And I had Philip Morgan on the show a couple of weeks ago and and he's, Love talking positioning, and I, I love listening to him talk about that. And so he covered a lot of it. But in your case, you said you realized you could benefit from specializing a bit more. What what made you realize that? Were 
were you guys doing okay with the business? What was it like that made you say, hey, I, I think we should change directions a little bit? Yeah, we were doing okay with the business, but you know, there wasn't anything that differentiated us from any other shop that did custom design development. Uh, and uh, partly as a consequence of that, then, you know, the pricing, it's almost a, a little bit of a, a commodity thing when you're just doing general work. Um, you know, you can say you're, you're better, but when there's, you know, 50 different other options, then, you know, why should they, why should they pay extra? Basically. So, yeah, it really is that positioning thing that, that Philip hammers on. And, and he was a part of that process for us. We're in a member, a mastermind group together. And uh, he, he was really helpful with that. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because sometimes like it's the, the big question is what makes you different than anyone else that does the same things that you do? And when you do design and development, that's kind of a hard question to answer. So focusing on what well, we do membership sites that alone kind of sets you apart from most of your competition. Yeah, and that resonates with people when they come to our site or they hear about us. They say, oh, that's exactly what I need because that's Ex what I do. Yeah, and otherwise, like if you're just a more generalist, they have to say, well, have you worked in membership sites before? Uh, and you might say, yeah, I've done a couple, but really we do. We, you can look at my portfolio and they'll see a dozen different things, but you're right. It doesn't resonate as much. There's not the level of trust. They still have to figure things out a bit more. Mm -hmm, exactly. And so, so when you made this decision, when you, you got that first client with the membership site, you got the referrals, the follow-up work, all of that, did you just jump in with both feet to saying like, all right, it's only membership sites right now? Or what was the transition like? Yeah, not at first, which is something that I think, uh, you know, a lot of people can kind of be scared of if they're thinking about specializing is sort of that fear of, well, what if I pick the wrong thing to specialize in, you know, right. um, which we definitely experienced that. Um, and we did our research and did our due diligence. But you can still kind of, you know, dip a toe in the water, so to speak. So for us, that was just a matter of, you know, we set up a specific landing page for that type of service. And, um, you know, we still would take other work, but uh, started to to really seek out that kind of work, you know, that type of project. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like you got rid of all your current clients and said, hey, if you don't have a membership site, we're not doing it anymore. It was more it was a slower transition. Yes, definitely. And that was our, that was our, and we did eventually do that. Um, we did eventually start saying, Hey, you know, we're going to help you find someone else. This we're only doing membership sites right now, but it wasn't an overnight. As soon as we decided to specialize in that, you know, where we just, uh, said no to everything else. It was a, a process of getting to that point where we felt comfortable doing that. Yeah. And cause you were the bright agency until pretty recently, right? Yes. Yes. Very recently. And in hindsight, we waited, uh, we waited, definitely waited too long to, to make that name change. But, uh, but yeah. How was, long was it that you waited until you, that first membership site project? How long did you wait until rebranding as member up? Uh, that was over two years ago, actually. Yeah. Or no, just, just coming up on two years ago. Yeah. So it was right around that time. And we probably should have made that transition, that naming change, you know, a good six months or a year ago. But yeah. what makes you say that? Uh, just, that that more accurately reflects our our focus, um, and we, and we've been focused on just membership sites for for quite some time now. But you know, really, the naming thing is it's not as big a deal as a lot of people probably make it out to be. So right, you said coming up on two years since that first membership site project. Have there been any challenges along the way that that kind of made you question whether or not this was the right decision? Um, honestly, no, it's been a, a pretty positive experience all the way around. And, and it comes back to that kind of that trust factor, like you mentioned, you know, those interactions with with prospects are very much them coming to us because we are positioned as the experts in this area. It's a much more enjoyable process at that point. 
No, and I, and I hear that a lot. And so can you talk a bit more about kind of how the dynamic between you and your clients or your prospects has changed when you've specialized now? Yeah. So people either, they either come to us because they're referred to us and, you know, it's a pretty warm lead or they just, you know, they find our website, you know, link somewhere else or, you know, something they're searching for. And, you know, it's a much more kind of mutual respect relationship as opposed to a, hey, you're just a service provider and I'm going to tell you what to do. Uh, they're coming to us looking for advice. And, and that's because of how we've, not only that we say we specialize in membership sites, but I mean, if you look at our site, that's what's on our site is here's here's some advice for you. Here's the things you should do for your membership site. And that's how we, we handle those interactions. It's not just what do you need, it's what's your problem and how can we, you know, let's talk about what you might need. And so when you're working with those clients, like it's more than obviously just building the membership site and kind of sending them on your, their way. You, there's some consulting and you're advising them on how they can grow their business, right? Yeah, definitely. And not all of our clients even involve, you know, doing design development for them anymore. Um, some of it's just, you know, strictly strategy consulting. And we kind of focus on two areas in that it's uh, how to increase conversions and reduce churn. Um, and those are kind of symbiotic, but. You know, we focus on some, some specific things and a lot of times that leads to some development work either that we do or that they, you know, that they handle in house. But yeah, that's, a, that's another kind of interesting side effect is it, it's opened us up to not just doing design and development work. Um, did you kind of just, as you started working on more of these, the membership site projects, did you just naturally develop this kind of expertise or where did you realize, where did you get the, the knowledge to kind of become a consultant on the conversion optimization and all of that. Yeah, we part of it was just sort of naturally acquired after working with a number of, of those kinds of clients. And then part of it was was very intentional, uh, actually, you know, just over over time, um, dedicating time to, you know, to doing the research and, and education, educating ourselves and, and that kind of thing. The Internet is a big place. There's there's tons of material out there. You know, anybody can learn anything. You just have to, to put in the time. Yeah, because that's one thing I think a lot of people kind of gloss over when they think of positioning or, or when they first hear some of these arguments. They're like, well, if I'm just changing the way I, I, I call my services, is it really fair to the client? It's, and what you're saying is this, there's more than just saying we do membership sites. There's also the side of like, actually building the expertise to to justify that. Yeah, absolutely. You never want to to misrepresent your expertise. Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of people when they they have that that fear you just mentioned of, well, what if I'm am I being fake? And and the reality is that especially like for us, you know, building a membership site wasn't really any different than any other kind of site we had built in the past. There was a little bit of a specialized aspect to it when we started doing it, but it's the kind of project we we would have taken before, and now it's just saying, okay, that's that's specifically the type of project. You know, that's the focus now. So it's just saying who you do that work for. A lot of times is is all it comes down to, at least at first. And so once you've picked out, you've identified who you've, you're working with, who you work for, the the types of things you do for them. How has that changed the way you find clients? It said you said you a lot of referrals, um, some is just them finding your website, but how do they find your website? I know you mentioned on another interview about partnering with like a, one of some of the plugins. And can you go into that a little bit more? That actually started with that, that first project that we did. Um, as we were building that, I, you know, I had a, some questions for the, the company that, that makes that plugin and actually made some recommendations to them, you know, on, on a, 
on some development stuff. And, you know, they kind of recognized that and said, Hey, can we add you to our list? Cause they get tons of requests all the time for custom stuff that, that they don't do. And said, can we add you to our list of kind of recommended experts? And, you know, we got a number of leads from that. And then after that kind of, you know, then I proactively did that same thing with some other plugins that we started using where I said, Hey, you know, I see that you have this list of people you refer to. Can, can I be on that list? And, you know, I developed enough of a relationship where that was a, a logical uh, thing to ask for at that point. Yeah. So how many leads or clients do you think you typically are getting from those partnerships? At least half of our leads at this wow. point are, are from those. Yeah. And wow. we're, you know, we're a small shop and so that it doesn't take that many to be half of our leads. But yeah, that's a, a testament to the value of, of, of that relationship that, that we wouldn't be able to, to have if we weren't specialized. Cause there would be, why would they do that at that point? You couldn't just, you couldn't just email one of these sites and say, Hey, We've had a couple, we're a web design and development shop. We've had a couple membership site products. Can you list us? They'd say, no. Exactly. And so, yeah, but when you say, this is all we work on, this is, you know, we know this stuff because you've been talking and you've been building a relationship, then you're credible and you can easily, more easily get listed on those. So exactly. Now that when, when people come from those sites, are you pitching against other agencies or is it really they're just coming, they want you? Uh, in some cases, those are situations where they've contacted a number of people, like, for instance, on that list. You know, I try not to, to look at it as I'm, I'm pitching against another agency because I'll just say, I'll try to assess if we're the best fit for that, for that job. Um, and in some cases, it's a, you know, it's a pretty small thing they need and, and we have kind of a, um, an informal, you know, kind of minimum amount that, that we'll take on you know, minimum project size. And I'll say, Hey, so-and-so would be a better fit for this. I know they do this kind of a thing all the time. Yes, there is, there are some cases where we're not the only one they're talking to, but in a lot of cases they are. Mm -hmm. How has your minimum project size changed over the years? That's increased significantly. Do you mind saying what it is now roughly? It it, it depends on the type of project. I'll say that. Um, But I typically won't look at something if it's less than probably $2,000. There are some cases where if it's a previous client or, um, you know, if it's a referral from, from someone who I really care about that relationship, that kind of thing, you know, I'll, I'll make that strategic decision to, okay. to deal with something smaller. Yeah. Right. And so, and I'm sure for a lot of the things around the WordPress economy, you'll probably have a, few, a good amount of potential leads coming in, wanting small changes, this and that. And, and you're right. You're not a good fit for that. So. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but looking on your site, you also have, you have a free sales course, you have a lot of content on there. How has specializing helped with your marketing in in that area? Man, that's a, that's a really good question because that's been something where uh, specializing has made that so much easier. You know, before it was always, Hey, hey, we know that, you know, content marketing is great, writing blog posts, but what do we write them about? You know, like just general design and development, like that's the kind of you know, really boring, honestly. Right. No one wants to read that. It's inside yeah. baseball. You know, maybe it's interesting to other development shops, but not to clients. Um, but now it's, it's crystal clear what we write about and who we're writing to. We look at the problems that a membership site has, the challenges that they have, and then we write to help them overcome those, those issues. So that's made it just a thousand times easier, honestly. No, and I think that's another point that a lot of people don't realize with, with specializing, with, with taking a strong positioning is that it clarifies really everything. You know who your clients are, you know what you do, but also when, when you know that, you're able to put that message out there a lot easier. You're able to say, hey, this is who we're working for. These are problems. 
let's figure out how to solve them and tell people about it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's made it so, you know, so clear for us, um, who we're writing to. Like we have a, we published a book earlier this fall and we would never have been able to do that before. Um, but it's now we have that specific audience that we're, that we're writing to. What was that process like writing the book? It was a process that it was kind of long because there's that tension between working on that and working on client work. Um, and so, you know, there's never enough kind of, there's never enough time in the day, you know, that whole challenge. Um, but once we finally got it out there, it was, it was kind of a relief and now we have something to build on. That's the biggest thing there for us. How do you see that fitting into the rest of your marketing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It, it, it serves two roles. One, it kind of acts as a starting point for us to sell something that's not just our time. Uh, that, that we're putting into, you know, that's kind of everyone's, you know, the, the holy grail of quote unquote passive income, even though it's never passive. But, you know, to have sort of a base for, for building on there of, of selling stuff that we can, we can scale up. And so that's great. It gives us something to work for, work toward in that. A much more immediate thing is it establishes credibility, um, because it speaks even more to our expertise of, hey, we do membership sites and we wrote the book on it. And there's, it's kind of hard to argue with that. You know, it's a self-published book. It's not on Amazon, but who cares? Because that still carries a lot of, um, of credibility with it of you're an author in this right. topic. Yeah. You literally wrote the book on it. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. So going with that, are you, do you see the future or part of the future of member up as having kind of a more educational component to it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's an area we're, uh, we're definitely focusing on. And we have, we have some exciting plans in that area for, for the next few months that, uh, kind of goes back to that tension of working on client, you know, client projects or working on your own stuff. But, uh, yeah, so how do you balance all of that? Up until, up till now and, and moving forward, we still just kind of fit that stuff in where we can. And, and for us, that works because we're a small shop. You know, our, our pipeline fluctuates a little bit. We, we stay about as busy as we want to, but, you know, inevitably there are delays here and there. And, and so we kind of fit that in where, where we can, although you, you do have to be intentional about doing that because it would be easy to just, you know, uh, let that kind of be brushed aside in favor of what's urgent over what's important, you know. Yeah. So are you setting aside a few hours a day, a week and saying, all right, this time I'm going to focus on writing or this time I'm going to do whatever to be intentional? What is your approach? Yeah, that usually looks like setting aside, you know, an afternoon or two a week um, and, and, and doing that kind of a, on an ad hoc basis. But um, saying, OK, this is this is when I'm going to focus on this uh, on this stuff. Yeah. Nice. And, and so you said the next few months, you, there's a few exciting things you guys are working on. Do you mind sharing some of that? Yeah, we're you know, you see see this a lot of times with um when people sell uh, an ebook, something like that, where they have multiple kind of levels of offerings, um, and that's a you know a, a tried and, and trusted sort of strategy. And so we're we're really just following that approach, um, and that's something we advise our you know our clients to do too with membership sites. It's always that sort of thing of um, of price anchoring and you know having that uh, having options for people. And so we're going to be rolling out some VIP kind of coaching offerings uh, related to that. And that kind of follows what you were, you know, you mentioned earlier about um, kind of the more educational side, doing more in that area. And so that's that's not all solidified yet, but we're hoping to to get something out pretty soon in, in that area. Soon, the, the more immediate plan, once you have that out, will you be potentially upselling buyers of the book of the different packages 
to your service or, or are you not thinking about making that connection yet? Um, not really thinking about, um, emphasizing that connection. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always something that, that we're open to. And, and there's a lot of overlap there already. Um, you know, people who have, who have bought the book or have been clients, you know, with a one-off project. But, you know, we don't ever want to, we don't want people to feel like they're, they're sort of pressured in, in one area or that there's any kind of conflict of interest there. Um, and so we, we always want to set those, um, set those different offerings up in a way that they can stand on their own and they're, they're valuable to the client on their own and they're valuable to us on their own. So not doing something that's, you know, a quote unquote loss leader where it just serves to kind of funnel, funnel people into something else. When talking about like educational products like this, I think a lot of people in the consulting space are concerned with that because they don't want to be the kind of spammy info marketer who's selling something for like $4 just so that they can sell this big package to you down the road. You want, you want your material to stand on its own. You want it to be valuable on its own while still positioning you as experts, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. The definition of content marketing for the most part is you educate people, you share them what you know, and for some percentage of that, they'll say, hey, this is great stuff. You clearly know what you're talking about. I don't have the time to do this. Can you help? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the, the best kind of way that, that that can be an upsell is where you know someone who, who buys a book or, or something else really understands what we're saying. You know, they, That's what they want. But like you said, they don't have the time. And so they just need somebody to do it for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at your website now and I see you guys. How long have you had a email list for? How long have you been building that? Um, we've been we've well we've had one for for a long time, but really focused on that this year, um, and and not until probably the second quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, do you see the email list as kind of helping to tie all of these different educational projects together? Yeah, absolutely. And and our email list is not large by any means, but I'm a firm believer in um, the power of, of an email list. Um, I would tell everybody, if you don't have one, start right now. Um, because, yeah, that's that's kind of the key component. And we use um, we use drip, uh, you know, for, for our email marketing. And if you could see our, our drip account, it's this crazy hodgepodge of all these automation rules and moving people all over the place. But it's man, it's it's pretty awesome for the, the flexibility there. So have you already been seeing results from the email list? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we built up our email list a little bit this year. And then when we were working on our book, you know, we would kind of send some emails out about that and, uh, start to, to kind of get people, I won't say excited, but you know, to, to anticipate that. And then we were able to launch that to our email list and didn't have any kind of big launch or anything, but it was a lot more, um, rewarding for us to be able to, you know, push send and then get orders right away as opposed to just launching to an empty room. No. And I think that's, that's a common fear with with any of this is like people, one, they have the mindset, like if you build it, they'll, they will come, you'll just write this book, you'll just do whatever, put it out there and then the money will start pouring in. But we know it doesn't exactly work that way. Exactly. And so, yeah, the email list makes you, it makes it be easier to be deliberate about the process. And the, the other thing though, is that especially with, with consulting with agencies, you don't necessarily need a huge 10, 20, 30,000 person list to really drive results for your business. Exactly. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if what you're selling is something that's fairly high dollar, then yeah, it doesn't take, doesn't take much at all for that to be a really, really key thing. 
Yeah. And so is that going to be a major focus for you guys going forward and kind of integrating that with everything else? Yeah, definitely. Um, email is, is really central to kind of our, um, you know, how we how we continue to do things uh, in terms of marketing, whether that's different product offerings that we have coming out or different services, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. One of the major benefits of email, though, is that it's something that you you own it. You own the list. It's yours. You don't need to worry about algorithm changes. You don't need to worry about how many people are going to see the post and this and that. You know who's going to see it. You know you can always reach out to them. And so there's a big benefit to that in that whenever you're trying something new, you have a captive audience you can promote it to or, or just tell about it. Yep, that's exactly right. How big is the WordPress membership site market? Because something like that seems kind of small to me, but it, I guess it's clearly not. So can you... Can you talk about the size of the market? Like, it, do you ever worry if there's enough work out there? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, um, and that's something where we, you know, we did some research uh, before we kind of jumped all the way into this market. Um, and it's hard to put, you know, exact numbers to that, but um, just kind of by way of illustration, if you start looking at the number of membership plugins built for WordPress, it's kind of mind-boggling. Um, now we don't we don't necessarily recommend all of them, but I would say easily there's over a dozen uh, that are kind of current and active, and so just that alone is an indicator of you know kind of the demand out there. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a good kind of proxy of looking at the size of a market, and I think it also helps people who are kind of on the fence about specializing. They 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 think, well, I don't want to pigeonhole myself. I don't want to focus on this one tiny little thing because is it really that big of a market? And even something as specific as what you guys are going after, there is clearly a market for it. There's when you can see such a big ecosystem around it. Mm-hmm, exactly, and and man, that's 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 such a great point. You know, you hit on kind of that fear of of pigeonholing yourself, and uh, and we definitely experienced that too. But the the reality couldn't be farther from that. Of kind of once you, I, I think Philip uses this analogy sometimes of you know you're scared of going through that that door like you're going to limit yourself to that being your only option. But man, once you open that door, it's just there's so much more um, available to you. Right. And I think a lot of people, too, are they're also concerned kind of that they, they like work on different things. They, they like that variety and they worry that focusing on one niche is going to be boring. And so have you experienced that at all? Um, no, not really. There's so much still st- variety still in what we do that uh, that hasn't really been an issue at all. You know, we can work on a project, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that's just strategy where we're coming in and helping people with uh, maybe an onboarding flow, you know, and maybe writing some copy for some emails and, you know, looking at their analytics and all these metrics and doing all that kind of stuff. And then another project might be, you know, pure development where I'm getting getting my hands in the code and doing something, you know, completely different. Um, and then a third one could be something completely different from both of those. And so there's there's so much variety there still that, yeah, that hasn't been an issue. Right. I think a lot of people, when they think of having strong positioning, they think of like, all right, this means I'm going to be doing the same thing every single day for the rest of my life. But it doesn't sound like that's the case at all. Yeah, for us, it's the positioning is less what we do and who and more who we do it for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good way. I hadn't I haven't heard it put it like that before, but that's a really good way of phrasing it. I think. Yeah, and we do we do say there are things that that we don't do. Right. You know, for even for those you know those membership sites, if they need you know some stuff, we'll say, hey, that that isn't one of the things we do. Here's somebody you should talk to. Um, but you know, really, we do 
a lot of the same stuff we did before, uh, but it's more about, yeah, more about who we do it for. And so with that said, what kind of, what does your day-to-day look like? What are you guys spending your time on for the most part? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a lot of the, the same kind of stuff that it's always been, and that's dealing with uh, incoming leads. You know, that's a, that's a big part of it. Because as anybody knows, if you neglect that sales pipeline, then you finish a project and you look around <laughs> and there's nothing left. You know, right. There's, what's there's, coming next? Yeah. Exactly. So we, we try to really focus on uh, paying a lot of attention to those incoming leads and, you know, scheduling stuff out. And, uh, so that's a big part of it. And then just, you know, executing, um, dealing with, with clients, um, whatever projects we have, you know, currently going on, you know, past, past projects, following up with those clients. And that kind of falls under the, you know, the sales pipeline thing, you know, seeing what they might need next. Um, and then working on our own stuff, you know, working on, on the business, not just in the business. Um, is it, it, is it just you and Michael? It's, it's just us. We do occasionally hire subcontractors to help with some stuff, mostly development. Um, actually just started doing that pretty recently and that's been pretty helpful to, to free up some time. I've definitely been, been pleased with how that's gone. Right. Cause when, when you fear the time, what is it that you don't think you guys spend enough time on? Uh, probably working on the business versus in the business. So working on our own, uh, you know, content marketing, working on, you know, like we talked about earlier, our book, you know, kind of other product offerings, that kind of stuff. An effective content marketing strategy can transform an agency. But what if you just don't have the time? We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. But when we come back, Travis shares valuable advice for how to solve that problem. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees. Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's get back to Travis. Yeah, and I think that aspect can be kind of intimidating, especially as someone who, like you were saying, is when you guys started off, you were doing okay, not great, and you're paying your bills and supporting your families, but you were kind of just trying to keep your head above water. And so how, what would you say to someone that says like, hey, I'm... I'm grinding really hard here. I'm doing as best I can, but I just don't have the time to build all this other stuff, to build the content, to, to do all of this. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think they could, they could balance things to make that transition easier? The, the first thing I, I would tell most people in that position is raise your prices. Um, and that's something that's, that's a process that we went through before we even started specializing. And I think a lot of, especially independent, you know, solo freelancers and consultants, uh, I think that's a, an issue a lot of them have is that they're just too cheap. And, you know, if you're, if you're billing hourly, um, you know, then just raising your prices, you know, 10%, 20%, 
I tell a lot of people, double your prices. But if you're too scared to do that, which we were too, just ratchet them up over time. You know, each new project ratchet them up. And then that can start to really, um, you know, free up some more time and um, build in some some extra hours that lets you do some of the more, you know, the stuff you know is important, but, but not urgent. Yeah. No, I think that's great because that's something that, a lot of people are afraid of doing, but it does seem like sort of the first step to getting some control and some freedom with your business is you need to make sure that if you're not making any money, scaling doesn't help you. It's just going to make you work harder for the same small kind of profit margin. So that does seem like the first step is making sure you're capturing enough value. Yeah, exactly. That kind of covers what you think you're not working. Now you're spending not enough time on, but what takes up more of your time than you think it should? Probably little stuff that I shouldn't be doing uh, that I should either just say no to or or delegate uh, just little tedious, you know, tedious fixes here and there. What kind of stuff would that be, though? So, you know, whether that's like a, a past client who has just this one little tweak they need um, stuff like that, where and I think that's a weakness of kind of our small shop model, um, you know, where I don't have somebody I can always delegate that stuff to. Um, so I will say that's, that's kind of the, for me, that's the one downside of, of our size. Yeah. Do you see that changing in the future? Do you see bringing someone on to help with those or what do you see as kind of the future of, of member up? Um, I don't think necessarily I anticipate bringing on somebody full time to help with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I could see doing, um, bringing on pe- more contractors to help with stuff, whether that's specific projects or just, you know, kind of general availability for stuff like that. Um, now I, you know, I say that <laughs> obviously <laughs> that could change. Uh, but for, for me, um, you know, kind of having that, um, uh, that, I don't know how to put this. That lack of obligation is kind of a, a big thing. Um, yeah. The lack of obligation for like payroll and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just kind of having the flexibility. Yeah. Um, and and partly because you know you asked what we see as the future. I, I see us moving more and more into kind of the uh, the product and educational stuff. And so, um, you know, over time, uh, we we kind of anticipate that being less and less. You know one-off projects. Right. Yeah. Interesting. No. And so I think that when you talked about the, the obligation, sort of the liability of, of having employees, that's a good point. And I remember, um, I know you're familiar with Brendan Dunn, obviously, mm-hmm. and I've mentioned a bunch on the, on the show, but he talks about how in his first like real agency that he grew, he had a hundred thousand dollars in expenses every single month. Right. Yeah. And that you need to get out there and make sure you're getting enough deals to just cover that, not even to get ahead, but just to cover it. And I, I can definitely see the what you're saying is that being free from that kind of overhead has a lot of appeal to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And at the same time, you know, the that kind of model of, of having a big shop, you know, I, there's appeal there too because then you have the, if nothing else, you have the manpower to take on projects that like right now I can't, I can't even think about taking on. Right. Uh, because they're just, they're just too big. Yeah. And so what was your vision like when you first started, when you, when you first got into freelancing five or so years ago, what was it like? What, what did you want out of it? Um, man, that's a good question. It's hard to think back that far. Right. Um, you know, I would say I, I probably had, had no idea, you know, um, it was just kind of blindly, um, Oh, here's something I could do and didn't really have any kind of long-term plan, partly because I, I probably didn't have any concept of, 
of what was possible for us at that point, you know, of, of what, what kind of stuff we could do. Um, it's hard to, hard to know what's out there when you're just right. getting started. No, that's a good point. And then it's, it's interesting how that's like a very common thing. A lot of people, they, they get into freelancing because almost what happenstance like you did is they know someone who's kind of tangentially involved with it. A project comes up, their buddy, whoever asked them, Hey, can you help me out on this? And then you say, Hey, that wasn't so bad. I could do more of this. And it snowballs and it builds into something. It gives you some freedom. You're not in a typical nine to five. And so I think a lot of people do jump into it, like you said, without much of a real plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so it's interesting seeing how kind of over, not even that long of a time period, how your plan has changed pretty significantly and you you have like a very well thought out one now. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We went from uh, having no idea what we were doing to, to now at least, uh, at least we think we know what we're doing, um, <laughs> you know, having, but yeah, like you said, having a concrete um, kind of, okay, what's our next step? You know, where are we going? Not just kind of. Uh, tread in water, so to speak. You, you have your book. You're, the next step for that is going to be kind of having the different packages to provide more value to the people there. What's what's after that? Do you see something as like a a more in depth training, or or what do you think is the next step beyond that? Um, possibly something like that. Um, you know, I will say that the next step for us will almost certainly come from what we learn as we as we move forward, and that, and that's what. You know, more than anything, that's what kind of what we've we figured out is that, um, you know, we can make this we could make like some grand plan, but um, we always learn something that kind of, you know, causes us to to change course a little bit, you know, just planning out the next few steps. And then, OK, what did we learn? What's next from there is 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 uh, is kind of the way we we've started to, to move forward. No, and that's that's a smart way to do it, because. I personally, like on a lot of things I love to, it's a lot easier for me to get down and plan everything out probably too far into the future. And then after you get a few steps in, you need to redo all of that anyways, because of what you learned, because of how things are different, your assumptions being wrong and this and that. So only looking kind of having a general idea of the future, but looking specifically at the few steps ahead makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And there's definitely a happy medium there, right? You know, you could, you could just use that as an excuse to say, Oh, I'm not going to plan anything, but, <laughs> but then you don't, then you don't move forward. So. I know we talked a little bit about pigeonholing, a little bit about um, kind of worried about getting bored. Do you see this membership site focus as being for the long haul? Do you see it possibly changing some way down the future? Could it change? I guess it's a better question. Um, yeah, I think it could change. Uh, I think the most likely thing there is that it it could, if anything, it could expand a little bit. Partially because a lot of the a lot of the concepts we teach and a lot of the the strategy stuff applies to more than just strictly membership sites. Um, there's a lot of overlap with um, e-commerce and then sort of the whole you know online courses, which tend to fall a little bit under membership sites. But you know these are all just terms that people make up. So I think uh, some of that kind of stuff you know could expand expand a little bit into those other areas. At the same time. When you're when you're thinking about positioning and kind of narrowing your focus, it's so easy to just to sort of fall into the trap of, you know, expanding of of making that too big. And you know, for now, um, focusing on membership sites has been good to us. So so we'll just we'll keep going forward with that. You know. And so I guess this is probably something I should have asked before, but for you, for a membership site, just so everyone's clear on it. Is Dollar Shave Club, is that a membership site to you? Yeah, I would call that a membership site. Um, that's I would call that kind of a 
whatever term you want to use, a subgroup, you know, a specialty kind of membership site. There's actually, we actually looked at that at one point at focusing just on that kind of uh, subscription box uh, website, right. which there's a lot of those out there. <laughs> it's there kind of crazy, actually, yeah. Fun. Yeah. Um, and actually the reason we didn't focus on that is we felt like the, um, with physical products like that, the, the margins are, are pretty, pretty thin. Um, and that's not, uh, kind of physical e-commerce isn't an area we had, you know, a lot of experience in. And so it, you know, it didn't kind of make sense for us. Um, but it may for someone else, you know, if you have experience with kind of that shipping and fulfillment, that kind of stuff, like, man, that's an area where you could really come in and just, you know, be the expert on that kind of thing. That's true. Cause yeah, there are when a physical product. That was one thing I wanted to get into is the differences between digital membership sites and physical ones. And with a physical product, there are a ton of other kind of logistical issues that come along with it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Have you thought about kind of even positioning further and saying, we only work with the digital or we only, cause you mentioned the only thing about the physical, but have you thought about that? Um, we, we have at, uh, up until now, that isn't something that we've we felt the need to do. Uh, that could certainly change in the future, but I, I guess for now, you know, I say we haven't done that. Although the vast majority of our clients have been digital only, mm-hmm. um, and so that may just be who we tend to attract, or it may be that that's the most you know the most common. I'm not sure. That's a, that's a good question. Yeah, because I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, with positioning is they say, all right, I know I need to be more specific than this, but like, where do I draw the line? Mm-hmm. And it's something where even going further, there's probably still a big enough market, but do you need to go that far enough? So I, I think it's a kind of an interesting thing to think about at least is, is where to draw that line. And as long as it's working, mm-hmm. there's not a huge kind of need to, to try to refine it further, but it, it is something interesting to think about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think it's worth experimenting with, with being more and more narrow. Um, because like I mentioned earlier, it's easy to fall into that trap of, of being too general. Um, and so the, the farther you draw that line, you know, you may see more and more benefit from that as you become, you know, more and more specialized in your, your focus, you know, like we mentioned, you know, pretty early on in the call that, that resonates with people when they see that you are the expert in XYZ. Um, and so the more narrow that focus, the more that's going to resonate with your ideal client. I think there was kind of a, a funny example that Brennan and Philip talked about on a podcast. Uh, I forget whose show it was, but it was about, like, if you're looking to have, if you're looking to put a nail in a board and you want it in the top right corner and that's it. If you have a couple experts out there and one, he hits, his job is he hits nails in the boards. But then you have another one who says, no, I, I only hit nails into the top right corner of that board. That's all I do. So if you, if you want in the left corner, I'm probably not a good fit for you. I can try to do that. I might be able to get it over there, but I, I'm, that's not what I specialize in. And so it's, it's a completely kind of like nonsensical example, but it, but it shows that, Hey, if someone says this is what they do, you're almost always, and that's what you need. You're almost always going to go with them over the generalist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a silly example, but it illustrates the point perfectly. Yeah. Right. Cause you don't want to, it's, it's something that I've talked about before, but it's, it's lowering risk for the client, which a lot of people don't think about as, as consultants, as agency owners, they think, well, I can get this done. It's a website. I can, I do websites. So whatever your website is, I can do it. But that's not how the client is seeing it. They're not seeing it as just a website. It's their website. It's their business. It's almost their baby in some cases. And so they want to know you can take care of this specifically. Right. They, they don't want to hear the kind of the generalities surrounding it. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, so I, th- I think we, we covered a ton about position. We covered a ton about all of this, and I hope it was helpful for everybody. And so to wrap up with a, a few questions, Moy, what's kind of your proudest accomplishment that you and Michael have achieved with, with MemberUp and with your agency? Um, I'll, I'll say two things. One is is, uh, is getting our book published uh, this year and, and kind of having that out there. Um, and then another thing is we've been part of this uh, a mastermind group for um, going on two years now. And our mastermind group recently uh, collaboratively wrote and published a book. Um, and that's, that was, that was a pretty, pretty fun, uh, pretty fun project to work on. Yeah. So how did you find the, how did you kind of join that mastermind? How does that, what was that process like? Um, that process was, you know, I was actually, uh, contacted, uh, when that started actually by, uh, by Philip Morgan and Nick DeSabado, uh, who kind of were the, the ringleaders there. You know, we had some some mutual friends, and they kind of knew a little bit of what we were working on, and uh, they just kind of got a few people together, and uh, it's it's been one of the best things that we've maybe the best thing that we've done for our business, being part of a mastermind group. With the mastermind group, how has that helped you personally? How has that helped kind of your business development with your agency? What, how did it have such a large impact? Um, a big thing is it, it helped us uh, in our in our focus, uh, kind of become more narrowed down. Um, and, and specialize in membership sites. Um, and that process looked like, um, you know, those, the, the other people in the mastermind group kind of, uh, encouraging us to do that. And then also giving feedback, uh, as we went through that process. Uh, that's been the biggest thing is having a, it's almost like having, you know, a, whatever you want to call it, a, an advisory board, you know, to, to bounce ideas off of that, you know, big traditional businesses have that, uh, they have advisors and, and, you know, independent consultants don't, uh, typically. And so that's, that's been the biggest benefit is kind of having other people to, to bounce ideas off of. And, and there's mutual benefit there, right? You know, we, we learn from each other. Right. Uh, so yeah. No, that's true. And cause that's something where, like you were saying, a lot of people when they start out on freelancing, they don't know what's possible. They don't really know what's out there. And as you go on, you might make a few friends that are in similar positions, but having a kind of dedicated group that's built to support each other, to help each other, not only helps let you know what's out there, but helps hold you accountable and helps move you forward because with podcasts, with books, all that, that's great, but it's not as personalized as kind of the one-on-one or more personal attention you can get from a, a dedicated group like that. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's, you know, there's a lot more, um, sort of two way interaction there that, you know, that you don't get with those just kind of educational materials and you get to know these people over time. And so you feel comfortable sharing all the gory details, um, whether that's, you know, dollar amounts or your emotional issues with your business or, you know, whatever the case may be, you're comfortable putting your whole self out there. And, uh, and that's, that can be really rewarding. Yeah. So that's actually something that's, that's interesting because with that, it's like, if you're talking to someone you don't know as well, you don't know very well, you're probably not going to be completely candid about, you might talk about your successes, but you're probably not going to be as candid about your failures. And there's going to be some things you hold back. And those things that you're holding back are probably the most important things to talk about to kind of figure out how to move on from them, how to improve from them. And, and so having that closer relationship seems like it would be a huge benefit. Yeah, exactly. No. And so I think that's something that, a lot of agency owners should look into a lot of freelancers, a lot of consultants to start reaching out to people and, and trying to build, even if it's not as formalized as a mastermind that meets regularly and has these updates, but just some support group to help move your career in theirs 
personally and professionally kind of forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If a listener is thinking about specializing, kind of unsure if they should take the plunge, what advice would you offer them to, to not necessarily completely do it, but what should they be thinking about? What, what would they think about that would make the transition easier? Uh, I would think about looking at your, your past projects and your past clients and uh, identifying which of those a, you, you enjoy the most and B, were most profitable. And then look at how you can, you know, kind of the commonalities there. And like I mentioned, you know, you can, you can experiment with this. You can throw up a landing page um, and start to direct people to that. That's just for that, you know, that type of client or that type of service. You know, you mentioned you've had Philip Morgan on the show. He's a great resource for this kind of thing. Um, so I, I would, I would definitely encourage people to, to seek out his book on, on positioning. You're right. Like Philip dives into a lot of the theory behind it, a lot of that, and especially on our show that that's why I talked with him basically the entire time about. And then from your perspective, you, you reinforce a lot of that, but you also get more into kind of the almost a case study of the benefits of positioning. So it's kind of cool to have both of you on and see that. Yeah. See it put into practice. Exactly. Exactly. And so before we leave, Travis, where can our listeners find out more about you and member up? Uh, our website, memberup.co.co. Um, people can go to memberup.co slash hubstaff and get our, uh, our free email course there if they want. And then uh, also I, I mentioned that book that we, uh, our mastermind group wrote. I think it'd be very uh, relevant for, for your audience. Um, and they can. Yeah. So what's that called? Yeah. It's the independent consulting manual. Um, and like I mentioned that our, our whole mastermind group wrote that collaboratively. So there's a, there's a bunch of chapters. We cover a ton of stuff in there. Um, so people can get that at independentconsultingmanual.com. And if you use the discount code hubstaff, you get 25% off. So, awesome. And I'll make yeah. sure to get that in the show notes. Thanks so Perfect. much for that. Yeah. We set that up for you guys. Awesome. And so again, I just want to thank you for coming on, Travis. It was a lot of fun chatting with you today. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. I really enjoyed it and I'd be happy to come back anytime. Awesome. I'll catch up with you later. All right. Thanks, Andy. All right. See ya. I think Travis's story is one that a lot of us can relate to. You get into freelancing because of the freedom you see it offering, but as you grow into an agency, it can be easy to have your work turn into just another job where you're constantly busy, but struggling to actually get ahead. There are four key things that help Travis break free from this cycle. First, by picking a narrow specialty, Travis and Michael were able to quickly build real expertise, which allowed them to not only solve their client's immediate problem from a technical standpoint, but also charge a premium because they were able to offer strategic consulting on top. Second, having this expertise made it easy for them to create relevant content and grow their audience. They weren't writing yet another blog post on design tips that only other designers cared about. Instead, they were using their expertise to create content they knew their clients would care about. Third, Travis and Michael took advantage of this audience by using it to build a mailing list that they could reach out to whenever they wanted. By continuously educating this list, they built a captive audience of people that could truly see them as experts. And whenever a member up has something to offer, no longer are they selling to an empty room. Finally, and this is a point that many of our guests have mentioned, being part of a mastermind group helped make all of this possible and is what Travis calls the best business decision he has made. Being able to bounce ideas off people going through the same thing is invaluable to personal success, and that isn't even to mention the benefit of having other people hold you accountable. Travis and his mastermind group share these lessons and many others in their new book, The Independent Consulting Manual, which you can check out at independentconsultingmanual.com. And Travis is also generous enough to offer our listeners a 25% discount when they use the coupon code HUBSTAFF. Definitely check that out. 
And if you want to learn more about MemberUp, Travis also set up a special page for our listeners at memberup.co slash hubstat, where you can sign up for his free email course. That's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and head over to iTunes and leave a review. Reviews really help the show grow and get in front of a bigger audience, so if you have the time to do that, that'd be awesome. Next week, I'll be back with Brendan Dunn, who will teach you how you can double your rates and fill your pipeline with qualified prospects. Talk to you then. See ya. See ya.